So first they have to learn what is not okay and then how to act on it. So one lady also stopped her husband of hitting her and she told him, if you continue hitting me, now I know what to do and I'll report you. And it was amazing to see how this actually helps. Because it's not just stories. It's not just one hour of the ladies being outside their house to have a good time and chill with the other ladies. No, this is encouraging and empowering time. Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Shalane, and we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. I am thrilled to have Ingrid Delgado, the National Coordinator of Accountability to Donors with Food for the Hungry Guatemala. Ingrid recently reached three years of being permanent staff with Food for the Hungry, which is her God-given dream. She's 40 years old, single, happy, and has no children. She loves to eat, read, drive at night with loud music, and be with family and friends. She's a strong believer in God who she describes as her reason and her all. And you can tell by her introduction that she's a lot of fun. So, Ingrid, welcome and thank you so much for taking time to be here with me today. Hi, Shalane. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, It's a pleasure to meet you. I am honored for this time. Thank you very much for this invitation. Mm Mm-hmm. Ingrid, as you know, we like to start each of our conversations with a particular question, and that is, what does it mean to thrive? So can we start right there? Yes. Okay, so I did read and went through the definitions. There's so many definitions that there are around. But if I would have to define it on my way, my own words, I do understand that it is to flourish, to grow, to develop, and so many synonymous words. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I do associate that word uh, connected to struggle for some Mm. reason. Because if I would refer to someone saying that they're just developing or doing good, I would use simple words like, oh, you're doing well, you're growing, you're developing, and -and so-and-so. But when I personally use the word thrive, I think of a person that is moving forward Hmm. in the midst of so many challenges. Hmm. So that's how I, that's when I use it. So I have to thrive. It's like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to reach it, even though I have obstacles. Uh Uh-huh. It's done. It's achievable, but it was not that easy. Hmm. So that's what thrive, or that, or that's the scenarios when I use that word. Mm-hmm. And that leads so beautifully because it's such a such a rich description of what it means to thrive. It leads really beautifully into our conversation today, which is focusing on mental health initiatives and the need for mental health projects within the Food for the Hungry Guatemala communities. So Ingrid, would you share with with me and with our listeners, what is the focus and maybe even why has FH Guatemala created such an intentional focus on mental health? Okay, uh, thank you for the question. I think that to answer the why, 
first I would have to clarify and add, as you know, there's so many topics and areas to reach out when we're talking about an integral development. Mm-hmm. That that's what we are after in each community. Mm-hmm. So even though we know it was a need, this focus started right now during the pandemic. Okay. In our communities, as you know, they struggle so much. The reality is so much different than ours. And let's say people that live in the city, in Guatemala City, compared to the people in the communities. I mean, there's a, let's say, seven, ten years gap of how things are possible, Mm. the access that they have and so many other things. Mm. They are like a little bit behind Mm -hmm. in learning a little bit of things that are real and they need. That's that's something that we were more aware of when all this pandemic started. Mm. Because we had the connection about the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. We had the curfew. So many people lost their job. Obviously, the economic situation churned harder for them. Then we had the storms a couple of months later. It was two consecutive storms. Mm -hmm. So that gave us a result to the reporting to our public ministry and the police of a lot of violence within the households Mm. that was at a national level so that's when the even though we previously to all of this knew that all this psychological thing is important Uh that was i think the point where we said okay we have to do something right and that's when the project families free of violence began Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. I do have to say that we have an amazing team. It's mm. outstanding. And and I say it for all my coworkers, not for me being part of the page, but they are so amazing. They worked this out in a couple of months. Uh, so it was in between the our education sector and our leadership sector too. Okay. So our two specialists, uh, they're two women. So they gather up, they work together, all this. And then this project came out. So I get a little bit excited. So that's so to answer and go back just to the why, uh-huh. that was the why. Hmm, okay. So again, it is a need that we already knew. Uh-huh. But that's when all uh, all the red flags were super high. Like we have to do something about all this and we have to teach them. They have to learn that they are in the midst of such a difficult scenario. Mm-hmm. And they have to learn how to manage all this. Right. So many different stressful factors crashing in all at one time. Yes, for sure. Ingrid, it's incredible to me to think that within such a short time, the staff were able to create such a meaningful program and to meet the needs of community members. Can you tell me a little bit more? What does Families Free of Violence look like and what has the impact of the program been basically the definition of our program is to equip and bring awareness to the families to the leaders of the community uh, first of all to prevent Mm. and then to eradicate the violence with a biblical perspective Mm -hmm. 
and also to teach them about their rights. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it has like a little bit of each of the things that we considered important. Mm-hmm. So let's say they developed lessons that taught the people about how to manage problems, mm-hmm. how to properly communicate. Mm. Also, they were taught on how to take care of all the family members. Uh-huh. Because as you know, mom and dad get stressed. Mm-hmm. The child doesn't understand much what is going on. Right. And most of the times, those that receive like the major negative impact are the children. Mm-hmm. So it was this overall about teaching everyone exactly how how to communicate how to understand the other person mm. what is my husband going through mm-hmm. how does my wife feel how to see the children yeah. so our approach was to teach women we had specific sessions with women uh-huh. also with youth Mm. Uh, in the schools, our children in the schools were not able that, at that moment to have face-to-face classes. Right. But those who reflected uh, a leadership role, uh-huh. they were invited and they received the lessons. Okay. And also the community and church leaders also were trained in this. Mm. So we actually approached to all the people, the the key people, Mm -hmm. we shared also key messages. So the topics in each of the lessons were a little bit different in between one and another group. Mm -hmm. But essentially, the focus was the same. Mm. The name of the lesson was the same with different examples. Mm -hmm. Um. And it was actually very helpful. I went to one of our regions back in November. Mm-hmm. And I met a woman that actually shared her testimony. And it was so, uh, I don't know, it was like amazing to see her mm-hmm. share her story. Because it might seem for us, again, we go back to the difference in into our reality and in the communities. Mm-hmm. That probably I could probably have a little bit of knowledge of what to do mm-hmm. or how to process difficult situations. But all of this is new to a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So this lady shared her story, how her husband became more silent with her. He mm. was like not at home, not talking to her. He was always stressed. Mm-hmm. He had lost his job. The crops uh, were lost due to the storms. Wow. So he was having this way of being with her. So like not not the best husband, let's say to that uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. He sounds like he was <laughs> and, disconnecting. Yeah, disconnected. But on top of that, he didn't want her to go outside. Oh, so she was like all all the time home with her kids, supporting everything that was going on in mm. her home. And on top of that, her husband didn't want her to go outside to talk with her friends, with her neighbors. Wow, that so, sounds very stressful. 
yeah, it was so stressful. But then she was invited to the sessions. And believe me, this is not paid actors. I mean, this are real <laughs> right. women. I met them. Right. <laughs> so, so she shares her story that when she had the chance, she sneaked out of her house. Mm. She came to the lessons. She learned about problem management and communication. Uh-huh. Those were the two that she actually focused when she shared her story. Mm-hmm. And then she said that at around the fifth session that she had to go to this uh, meetings with the other woman, her husband caught her like going outside oh. and told her, hey, where are you going? And this and that. And she said, okay, hold it. We have to talk. You oh. have to understand that I feel like this and this and this. Uh-huh. I need to go outside. Yeah, They are supporting me. So I'm coming back in an hour. Okay. So much so you know, courage to do that. Exactly. But it also sounds like she had the tools to be able to do it. She knew how more how to speak to him. Exactly. She learned. Mm. And you know, these lessons that might sound like a child story for some mm. of us. This is life-changing for them. It is. It's profound. And there was another testimony about another woman, too, that Uh her husband was hitting her. Hmm. And that now she knew how to report it because that's something that was part of this project, too. Uh Uh-huh. The presentation of what we call a reporting route. Uh Uh-huh. Who should know what's not normal. Okay. Because, you know, within this, we have a lot of cultural things. Because mm-hmm. my dad hit my mom, so then it's okay that my husband hits me. Right. And that's yeah. how they see it. Sure, that's that's become the normal. Exactly. So first, they have to learn what is not okay. Yes. And then how to act on it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one lady also stopped her husband of hitting her. And she told him, if you continue hitting me, Uh now I know what to do. And I'll report you. Right. Wow. So this is like a little bit of what went on and met this woman. It was amazing to Mm -hmm. see how this actually helps. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just stories. It's not just one hour of the ladies being outside their house to have a good time and chill with the other ladies. No, this is encouraging and empowering time. Mm-hmm. And and life changing in ways that will impact future generations because now these children will see something very different modeled in the home, which then they can absorb and carry on with their children, which is Correct. so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Ingrid. You mentioned at the beginning, this is just one of the mental health initiatives that Food for the Hungry Guatemala has undertaken. There is another program, which I believe you said is beginning in August. Is that, do I have that correct? Yes. Okay. Would you tell us about this one? Yes, I will be more than happy. Okay. So we are starting with a project uh, it's actually a pilot project so let me share a little bit of how this is going to work mm-hmm. uh, first of all the name is group problem management plus okay it's actually an adaptation of this program that's from the world health organization uh-huh. we were invited 
to be trained in this. This is already taking place in other countries. In some of them, it's under World Vision. Uh, but right now, we were uh, two of our staff members were trained in this. And Guatemala was chosen to develop this pilot to see how it goes. Mm. So currently, um, we already received the training. I was actually part of that training, which was awesome. Uh-huh. So it was back in July, two-week training. And the focus of this project is the following. We are trying, well, with this program, sorry, the focus is to teach the women, first of all, how to identify the difference of stress, mm-hmm. anxiety, mm. and depression. Okay. Those are the three main. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, within all this psychology and mental health, there's so many things, but this is the focus of this project. Mm-hmm. So the way that it works is that it is developed with eight lessons. Mm-hmm. Now, the big topic here is directly problem management, but to solve this stress, depression, and anxiety problems. That is mm-hmm. the focus. So uh, the community of Akul mm-hmm. in Guatemala was the one that was chosen. Mm-hmm. It's going to be developed through a, sorry, through one of our groups of the volunteer mothers of the Cascade groups. Mm-hmm. We have four of them in Akul. So one of those was chosen. And the volunteer mothers are going to be trained about these topics. And then they will go on and share it with the same methodology of Cascade Groups. Then they're going to share this with the woman of their neighborhood circle. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an initial assessment to determine in case any of these women already need urgent Mm. intervention. Okay. They will be receiving treatment with a psychologist in Navarre. Okay. That's also going to be paid by part of this program. Okay. So basically, that is how how it's going to be working. But the focus is this, that they know what are the common, let's say, symptoms or signs mm. to understand, okay, am I going nuts or am I depressed? Mm. Because, you know, well, I had anxiety at one point, and mm-hmm. anxiety is very tricky because it reflects in so many different ways yes. in different people. Yes. So that's the focus. How, show them how to detect it. Uh, so, again, there's going to be an assessment if any of the ladies mm-hmm. uh, already shows that she needs intervention. Mm-hmm. She's going to receive it. It's going to be paid for her. Hmm. And then the rest of the group is going to continue learning about this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I received all the classes and it's amazing. I mean, the material is fantastic. It has all that it requires for them to support each other, Uh to know how to work this. Since it's a pilot, obviously, we're going to have a lot of feedback, supervision, And depending on the results of this pilot project, the intention would be to to start implementing it as a project in all the three regions where FH Guatemala works. Mm. But it's an amazing tool. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
a couple questions come to mind that I think our listeners might have. I am familiar with Cascade Groups. I'm not sure that everybody who's listening will be. So if you can share about that, because I Cascade Groups to me are just a brilliant way of sharing information and creating support within the community. So that's one thing that comes to mind. And then the other thing that comes to mind is you've said very clearly that this is something that women will be involved with. And so I'm just curious, um, the, the idea of working with women first, will men be invited into a program similar to this later or kind of what, what's the thinking around that? Okay, so first one, clarifying mm-hmm. <laughs> what is a cascade group. So my friends, this is how we work here at FH Guatemala. So what we call a voluntary cascade group is this. So it's a group of around 10 women. Mm-hmm. They are the elite mothers. They are all volunteers. They are trained by an FH staff with health topics. So this is something normal how we always work. Mm -hmm. They have their monthly session or two times a month, depending uh, on what session it is, Mm -hmm. with our uh, staff facilitator. So they receive the lesson. Mm -hmm. And then each of this woman have what we call our their neighborhood circle. So they each have their group of 10 women. Mm-hmm. So right away, and you've gone how, from 10 to 100. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So so this is something important because we're going to have this pilot project with one cascade group, uh-huh. but we're going to impact 100 women. Yes. So one is a lot. Mm-hmm. It is so a that's lot. how it works. So all our health interventions through these specific groups, mm-hmm. and that's how we. Well, that's why we call them cascade because it comes from this from the FH specialist to the facilitator mm-hmm. to the volunteer woman to the woman of the neighborhood circle. Mm-hmm. So all the information is sent through a cascade system. Mm-hmm. Right now, we just selected the cascade groups because they these are very solid groups of women mm-hmm. that already know how to share the information with others. Right. Uh, but we have always talked about the importance of sharing all this information also with men, mm-hmm. not only with women. Uh, the way that we can reach or try to reach uh, men is through the church and community leadership. Mm, okay. So, so that's where we take a little bit of more advantage of to teach men about these topics. For example, that is the way we shared it with them about the family fear of violence. Mm-hmm. So we would intend, we know it is need. Now the difficult part with man is that they are always outside working. Mm-hmm. And mom is the one that stays home. So somehow it's a little bit easier for them sure. to take time to be with us in the sessions. But it's something that FH is very aware of. 
mm-hmm. but we always try to approach men through the through the leadership uh, groups that we have with them. Mm-hmm. It it just strikes me that you're very culturally sensitive, and that the staff are very aware of what works and what doesn't work in communities. So that's that's really encouraging to hear. Well, I always say this, the facilitators, well, I, I don't know, I said at the beginning, all our staff are like rock stars <laughs> and great people. Uh-huh. Uh, but I do have to say, my my honors to the facilitators, mm. they go day to day to the communities. Mm-hmm. I mean, they take all the tasks and the dreams to become reality. Mm. And they are from the region. They are from this community, some of them. Mm-hmm. So they are the key factors and they such an important part for all this to work because they give us feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how we think. This is how we work. We recommend this. This is the suggestion. So with their feedback, with the plan, that it all combines to have this result in the people that we look after. Mm-hmm. And the facilitators are building relationships, aren't they? They're, they're oh, creating yes. these beautiful relationships of trust. And then they not only have the uh, opportunity to see how things are working in the communities, but they also have the respect then to be listened to and to be able to walk alongside people, which to me is just such a beautiful way of, of doing the work. Correct. Actually, the facilitators are part of the community. Mm-hmm. And it's so, uh, I, I can't find a good word for this, <laughs> but it's such a joy to see them, the way they work the respect that the people mm. of the community have for them, mm-hmm. the trust that they earn with them. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, and it's it's obviously, it's FH behind this, but it's them. Mm-hmm. It's their person. It's their actions. It's their work mm-hmm. that they just represent our institution in such an honorable way, mm-hmm. but it's their love and their day-to-day actions. Mm-hmm that puts the heart of the people in the community to trust them, to listen to them, to be there when they call them, to follow the guidance, to trust what it is shared in each of the meetings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, these incredible people, this season, with the pandemic and the storms, has to have been really difficult for them as well. How, how are the facilitators, how are the FH Guatemala staff doing? We are doing, we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. It has been challenging because there's, uh, I mean, right now we're kind of back to normal. Okay. Uh, let's say we're at 60% back to normal. Well, in our three regions, uh-huh. Our facilitators are at 110. They're back. I mean, and they're <laughs> on fire. They're, they're amazing. They're amazing. <laughs> uh, so they're back again in the communities. Uh, we still have the mandatory use of masks and alcohol. Uh, the meetings are still uh, uh, 
10 to 15 people maximum, depending on the region. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, probably I would like to highlight this because when we were not able to go to the communities, they were sad. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, oh, okay, I got nothing to do. No, they were honestly sad I because they missed their communities. Yeah. And, you know, there's different type of positions within FH mm -hmm. and different activities depending on the role. But I think, I, I say we are okay. Mm -hmm. We are blessed. Mm -hmm. We are strong. God has shown in so many miracle ways mm -hmm. that He is with us. Mm -hmm. So it has been an amazing time. Mm -hmm. And just keep moving forward in the midst of the pandemic and the curfew, always respecting the, the provisions that there were. Mm -hmm. and following all the government rules, uh, we never stopped. Hmm. So it's amazing to see how it just kept, we kept on moving forward. Mm -hmm. and, and we just found the way to be there with the communities. Mm -hmm. So I think we have become stronger now as, as a group, as staff. Yes, we have had some people that had had COVID mm -hmm. within the staff. But thanks to God, uh, they have all recovered. We have a couple right now that have COVID, but we just recover and keep mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. That's how we are. <laughs> well, you're giving testimony to the power of community as well, because there was such a strong established community before the pandemic hit that there was strength in that moving through the time of isolation. And like you said, not without challenges and problems, but you you seem your staff have responded so beautifully in in such uh, ways that are are very specific to the needs of people. So thank you, and please thank your staff on our behalf for all the beautiful work that they're doing and for really investing your lives. Um, I wish people could see your great big smile right now because there's obviously so much joy. In, in the work that you do and and knowing that the people you work with are, like you said, rock stars. Yes, yeah. yes, I'll, I'll let them know, but yes, I am I'm truly honored. I mean, our staff is, wow, I don't know, I don't know where God pulls them from, but they have this heart, this strength, mm. this courage, it, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't have no words. They're amazing. That's so awesome. I'll let them know. Thank you very much. Okay. Ingrid, we need to wrap up our time here, but is there anything else that you wanted to share about the initiatives that FH Guatemala is doing around mental health? Uh, well, yes. I think that, uh, as I said before, the only thing that I would like to add is that we hope that this actually moves on forward we're looking we're, we're very excited about this mental health problem mm -hmm. because the one that we have working right now about families free of violence it is important it's very important but the focus of this one is a little bit more deep mm. and we have learned about this and this is something important it's going to be uh stressed out when the facilitator shares it with the woman mm -hmm. because we're going a little bit deep into 
a topic that it's going to be new for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we just hope and pray that they have openness mm-hmm. about this, that they uh, have the willingness, as they always have, to receive this, because it's going to require us a shared divorce, going to require a little bit more of supervision, mm-hmm. a little bit of more uh, delicate topics. Mm-hmm. That probably a volunteer mother might feel overwhelmed in some cases because we are not psychologists, any of us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a group of women trained in these topics trying to help others. Mm-hmm. But we're very excited because even, I mean, I don't know, it's because everyone's so amazing, but these ladies are, <laughs> oh my gosh, they're so amazing yeah. to teach the other woman and let's use the word to convince them in mm. some way, let's use this word, mm-hmm. to convince them of a reality that probably they are not aware of. Because, mm-hmm. is- you know, there is this problem of women just following as we said before, they just follow what they have seen. Mm, mm-hmm. So if my mom could keep on with her life, with my drunk parents, with having so many problems, with low income, if she was always fine, if she always stands straight, mm. why can I stand straight? Mm-hmm. Why am I feeling weak? Mm-hmm. Why am I feeling so lonely? Why don't I want to have the courage today to stand up, leave my child to school, and I don't want to do breakfast? Yes. I don't want to take a shower. Yeah, there can be a lot of, of negative stigma attached to these kinds of mental health issues and shame involved with that as well. Correct. So it's it's a vulnerable topic, for I would say, both for the participants and the facilitators, so um, thank you for for doing that and for being willing to enter into what some would say is uh, just it's it's a difficult and a challenging area and yet so so important. So it is. appreciate all that you're doing, and thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you, Shalini. No, thank you for the time and the invitation. Yes. I get excited when I share about our faith. So. Yes, I can tell. (laughs) And I think our (laughs) listeners will know as well. So if you are interested in exploring what your next steps could be, or you want to find out more about FH Canada or FH Guatemala, start by checking out fhcanada.org slash resources.